Our passage today is 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through to 5 and the title of my sermon is Begotten Again of God unto a Lively Hope. In the first two verses of 1 Peter chapter 1 the Apostle Peter introduced himself and the people whom he wrote to namely the elect of God. That's what we looked at last week. Coming to this week's considerations, in chapter 1, verses 3 through to 5, it is written, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to his abundant mercy, have begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As such, Peter started his letter with a benediction when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The English word blessed appears over 300 times in the Bible. However, blessed is a translation of various Hebrew and Greek words. For example, when applied to us, blessed can take the form of a verb where God blesses his elect with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, God bestows all spiritual blessings upon Christians and he causes them to prosper spiritually. Also, blessed can mean happy. For example, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 1 and verse 1, it is written, Blessed or happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, it is written, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The persecuted, for Christ's sake, are said to be happy or blessed. However, the Greek word that is translated blessed in verse 3 appears just eight times in the New Testament. It is a word that applies not to us, but to God, being blessed, and you can be sure that it does not refer to any of us bestowing spiritual blessings upon God. It is an adjective that describes God. For example, when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared before the high priest and his kangaroo court the night before his crucifixion, the high priest said to Jesus, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? In that question, God was being described as the blessed. It tells us, as a matter of fact, that God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is blessed. That is, that he is adorable, that he is honourable, and that he is worthy to be praised. All of those things are true, regardless of whether you personally praise God or else 
you curse him and you blaspheme his holy name. It follows that if God is blessed, so too is his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that to be the case in Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, where the Apostle Paul said, Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all? God bless forever. Amen. First of all, those verses refer to the Jews of old and also to Jesus who is a Jew according to his humanity. Having referred to the humanity of Jesus, those verses then refer to his divinity, where the Apostle Paul said, Who is over all, God bless forever. That is a clear reference to the divinity of Jesus. Only God is over all, and like his Father, Jesus is God blessed forever. When you read the Old Testament, you'll see God receiving blessings and being blessed by his people, where the Hebrew word that is translated blessed is a verb that speaks of God being praised and adored. If you are a Christian, you have much to bless God for. For example, in Psalm 103, verses 1 through to 5, David, speaking to himself, said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. They are verses that I would recommend that you learn and hide them in your heart and meditate upon them. They will be a great comfort and encouragement to you. In verse 3 and elsewhere, God is referred to as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus referred to God in that way when he appeared to Mary Magdalene outside the empty tomb on the morning of his resurrection. He said to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. In that verse, the Lord Jesus Christ graciously identified with his disciples by calling them his brethren and by saying, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Also, where we read in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ that denotes the subjection of Jesus to God, both as the mediator of the new covenant and also 
as him being the Son of God. However, make no mistake about it, as we have already considered and as many other Bible verses testify, Jesus is God. He is God manifest in the flesh and he is worthy to be worshipped and adored alongside his Father. As the Apostle John testified in Revelation chapter 5 verses 11 through to 13. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. Next in verse 3, we are told that God has begotten us again, which means that if you are a Christian, you have been born again. All of us were born naturally when we came from our mother's womb, but the apostle was talking about a second birth, a spiritual one. Jesus explained this to a religious Jew who said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. One of the lessons to be learnt from those words of Jesus is that just as you had nothing whatsoever to do with your natural birth, you have nothing whatsoever to do with being born again. It is the work of God. As the Apostle Paul said to the Christians at Ephesus, And you have he quickened, which means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Paul went on to include himself when he said to them, Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together. You'll know that you are begotten of God, or born again, because the new life that you now live will bear testimony to you that you are born again. For example, if you are born again, you are someone who is trusting in the incarnate Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Saviour from sin. 
as the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Also John said, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Before believing in Jesus, you had no quarrel with sin. But having been born again, you truly desire to do the will of God and to be obedient to his word. Even though you still sin, you hate it, you abhor it, it grieves you when you sin against the God who loved you and who gave himself for you at the cross. Nevertheless, with heaviness of heart, you confess your sins to your heavenly Father and he forgives you. As a born-again Christian, your faith in Jesus is continuous and so too is your repentance towards God. Also, as a born-again Christian, your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ ought to be as real as your faith in Jesus. As the Apostle John said, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. I now have a word of warning for you about being born again. There are pastors and preachers who say things like, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour from sin and you will be born again. For example, I found a Bible commentary where the writer said, God who works the new birth in a person's life does so in response to faith. That kind of language fits the narrative of people who want to believe that they somehow save themselves from their sins. And as far as they are concerned, being born again is the result of them making a decision for Christ. However, that simply is not scriptural. It's putting the cart before the horse. It's all the wrong way round. Last week we saw that if you are a Christian, the decision was not made by you, it was made by God before the foundation of the world. That's when God chose you. And today we have seen that having been chosen by God for salvation, God raised you up to spiritual life and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, from start to finish, salvation is of the Lord. So, dear Christian, don't give yourself a big pat on the back for being a Christian. Instead, as you remember that you were once dead in your sins, praise God for raising you up to spiritual life and for drawing you to his son as a repentant sinner. Last of all, in verse 3, we see that Christians are people who have been born again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus declared, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive for evermore. Amen. Dear Christian, it's precisely because Jesus lives for evermore 
that not only you have life in him, you have everlasting life in Jesus. I have a very good Bible commentary. Sorry, I have a very good commentary about Christians being born again unto everlasting life in the risen Saviour. The commentary is Romans chapter 6 verses 9 through to 11 where the Apostle Paul said, knowing that Christian, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death have no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died once unto sin. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you are not a Christian, you can hope for all sorts of things, such as winning the lottery, reaching a hundred years of age, passing your exams, getting a pay rise, getting a promotion, and so on. But none of those hopes are certain, and when you die, whatever whatever hopes you have, will die with you. How different it is for a person who is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, having been born again according to the abundant mercy of God. He is someone who has a rock-solid hope that reaches up to heaven where his Saviour is. With that kind of hope, the Apostle Paul was able to say, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Who but a born-again Christian can say such things? To die is gain. That doesn't mean that you should have suicidal tendencies. Rather, having a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to a heavenly inheritance, that ought to elicit a passion for Jesus and a zeal to glorify him through your born-again life in the world. The heavenly inheritance spoken of in verse 4 is one that is incorruptible, undefiled, it fadeth not away, and it is reserved for born-again Christians. What could that inheritance possibly be? Well, if you are a born-again Christian, you are a child of God. As such, you are an heir of God and a joint heir of his kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ. Even now, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the earnest or the guarantee of your heavenly inheritance. When Jesus comes again in judgment, Everyone who has ever lived will be gathered before Jesus and he will say to you and to all who have been begotten again according to the abundant mercy of God. Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Finally, we see in verse 5 that those who are begotten again according to the abundant mercy of God, are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed 
in the last time. If you are a Christian, then thank God that he has begotten you again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to a heavenly inheritance. But you're not there yet. You are still in this wicked world. And as a child of God, you are a target for the God of this world, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If there was a lion at large in our community, people would proceed with extreme caution, or else they would lock themselves away in their homes, as we have all done over the recent months with the coronavirus pandemic. But when it comes to the devil, who is far more destructive than the king of the jungle or COVID-19, hardly anyone bats an eyelid. Also, the devil has an army of demons spread out across the world, wreaking havoc. Their ranks are swelled by all the people of the world who do not know God as their heavenly father. Those people do the evil desires of their father, the devil. Not only do Christians need to be kept by the power of God from the devil and from this evil world, they need to be kept and protected from themselves in their daily battle against sin. Nevertheless, if you are a born-again Christian, you can be sure that God who keeps you through faith, is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen.